Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Come on, let's clap unto the Lord truly today. He's worthy of all the praise. We thank the Lord today. Amen. You may be seated for a moment today. It's our honor to be here with our friends, brother and sister Britt. One thing I learned about brother Britt, you hang out with him, you're going to have some good food coming pretty quick. Whether it's in a restaurant or whether it's homemade, you're gonna, it just seems a good food. He travels, it's following him all around the country, everywhere he goes, him and his wife. We do appreciate them. It's an honor to be in Hartsell with you today, my wife. And now we do appreciate Brother Britt. Kind of amazing, Brother Britt is one of the newer additions to our team. We have 58 districts across North America, 58 North American Missions Director but it didn't take long for us to see Brother Britt's leadership and vision and passion he brings here at his home church. You know him well, and you know his calling and his vision, but he's made a tremendous impact on North American missions, not just in Alabama, but for us around the country. We do thank this church very much. Out of over 4,800 churches in North America, you were number five in giving last year to Christmas for Christ. I say you give yourself a hand. Over $80,000 you gave. So there can be more testimonies like what Brother Jones just gave. What I love about that testimony so much as he mentioned, Brother Youngblood in Little M, Texas, where the family went, he's a church plant also. So you have one church plant planting another church plant helping, you know, Poor brother Young Blood, but when that family came to him, he thought the land was in Dallas. He was a little bit excited at first. They say, Pastor, we got some land. He said, Glory. But he was so happy to be blessed, Brother Jones, and this church here by extension. But we do appreciate you, your giving, your sacrifice. It's making a difference in these last days. Our calling is to go to the next town, amen, and preach there also. That's what the scripture commands us. We're trying to reach every community in North America in these last days with the gospel. And your giving, your support, your prayers, your going is making a tremendous difference in the leadership of your pastor here at your church, but also at North American Missions. is greatly appreciated. We're going to look into the word of the Lord at this time. 2 Kings chapter 4, amen, and uh, beginning at verse number 8, we're going to drop down to... Um, Verse number 32 also. You know, I probably shouldn't tell you um, where I was at yesterday, but I was in Michigan. It wasn't by choice, I promise you. I was just up there, you know, uh, attending a wedding. I, I, I wasn't wearing blue, you know. I wasn't supporting them or anything like that. And I'm from Florida, so I'd rather see the South, you know, win any, the, any day of the week, so... Just, just so if you hear, I was in Michigan yesterday. Don't hold that against me. It was just, it was just for a wedding. Amen. Second Kings chapter four, beginning up verse number eight, and the Bible says, and it fell on a day that Elijah passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread, 
And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God would pass us by continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed, a table, a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on the day that he came thither, and he turned to the chamber and lay there. Drop down to verse number 32. And the Bible says, And when Elijah was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and laid upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes, and he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shumanite. So he called her, and when she was come in, he said, Take up thy son. And for a few moments today, I'm going to preach on the topic of, If you build it, he will come. If you build it, he will come. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Thank you for your word. Let us be changed to be more like you today, Father. Receive your word today, mold and shape to your image, and bless this church today. In Jesus, they put hands together one more time today. Unto the Lord, we thank him for its presence. And you may be seated. They say the first rule of development is, if you build it, they will come. Driving with your pastor at the heart cell today, come, you know, coming over here and you see, amen, from Huntsville all the way over here, the development that's happening. It's amazing. You drive by what looks like just a pasture and trees and they put up a bank or Publix and you come back a few months later, there's schools and there's, you know, communities and so much growth because developers know that if they build it, people are going to come. Uh, but I didn't come today to preach to you about building houses and things. Uh, I've come to tell somebody today. Uh, we sang the song about the presence of the Lord filling the place. Uh, that if you make up your mind that you are going to build a place for God in your life, uh, that you are going to make some room for God, God always shows up. Some of you are here today wondering, how can I get more of God in my life? Uh, how can I get more of God in my marriage? Uh, how can I be delivered from my addictions and my hangups and my habits? I'm telling you today, it is very simple. Uh, if you want more of God, uh, if you want to be used of God, uh, if you want deliverance, whatever you are struggling with, all you have to do is give more room to God in your life. Uh, Leave no room for the enemy, less room for yourself. Give it all to God, and guess what? Your marriage will change. Your life will change. Your kids will change. Your finances will change because you built some room for God. 
we give the devil too much credit sometimes. The scripture talks about the devil going forth as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But I propose to you today that the devil is not the only one going to and fro. Uh, because the Bible says the eyes of the Lord uh, run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? He wants to show himself strong in behalf of someone whose heart is perfect toward him. God is looking and God is searching. Who can I bless? Who can I help? Who is going to let me show up and do something for them today? But you say, well, preacher, I want to build a place for God. Preacher, I want the peace of God and the power of God in my life. Uh, now look at the story we read. In 2 Kings chapter 4. See, this woman was a great woman. I mean, she had money. She had things. But guess what? Money and things don't bring peace, joy, and happiness. She was well known. And there was this man of God that walked in front of her house on his way to shooting him. If you're going to build a room for God, uh, the Bible says she called out to that man uh, and said, come into my house uh, with me and my husband. Uh, let us break bread together. Uh, if you're going to build that place for God, uh, bread always symbolizes the word of God. Uh, it's got to start with the word of God. Uh, it's got to start following the word of God. Uh, it's got to start believing the word of God. Uh, I know we live in a world today where the Bible is not valued and looked at as just another book. But if you're going to build that place for God, you got to love the Word of God. Spend time in the Word of God. If the only time you read your Bible is Sunday morning in church when the preacher opens his text, shame on you. You got to learn to break bread and spend time in the Word of God. But guess what began to happen? As she began to break bread with that man of God, uh, he would come in and share about the miracles of God. Uh, he would give them more knowledge about the things of God. Uh, guess what? She began to desire to have a deeper relationship. Uh, I've come to tell somebody today uh, that the more time you spend with Jesus, the more time you want to spend with Jesus. Uh, amen. When she began to break bread with the man of God, she said, guess what? Uh, I don't want a casual passing by relationship, wondering if he's going to come by. Yeah, I want a deeper relationship. She told her husband, we got to build a room. We've got to make a permanent place. We got to get a deeper relationship with the man of God. It's strange to me how people seem to worry about how much time you spend in church, but spend as much time as you want to at a football game, at a bar, or in the mall, and nobody seems to care. They don't know that when you get God inside of you, amen, taste and see the Lord is good. Uh, that taste leads to more taste. You want more and more of God. Well, she said, honey. Let's build a room. Uh, let's make a place here for the man of God. Uh, I've come to ask you today, uh, have you built 
that room in your life? Have you built that room in your marriage? Have you built that room in your family, in your business? I bet if I came to your house, you could show me the shelves you built, entertainment centers you put together, wallpaper you put up in your house. But I've come to ask you, what have you built for God? Where is the place for God that your kids know about that this belongs to God? Pastor Britt, I'm firmly convinced in 2023 that the devil sometimes finds it easier to keep apostolics busy than to make them sin. He don't care what keeps you away from the will and work and plan of God. Uh, he would love it to be sin because whoever commits sin becomes a servant of sin. Uh, but in your hustle and bustle and rush of life, uh, you have no time for God. Uh, you have no time for the things of God. The enemy's gold in your life is then uh, uh, is what he wants you to be because you have no power, no peace, and you lose your purpose because why? You've made no room for God in your life. And the Bible says this woman was barren. And back in those days, they didn't know there was reasons for that. And, and they thought something was wrong with her or she was cursed. And none of that was true. Uh, amen. But I wondered before if she had a house full of kids uh, and a grandkid on the way, would she have noticed a man that got walking by? Would she known of the need to build a room? But sometimes it's your lack. Uh, it's your barrenness. It's your need that drives you to a place that say, I've got to make some room for God. I I got to build that place for God. I've heard it said that God whispers to us in our pleasure, but God shouts to us in our pain. Those painful times will make you realize I got to build this room for God. And she said, honey, when we build this room for God, let's put it on the wall. What did that mean? Because back in those days, around the top of that house, uh, they would have a wall, and behind that wall was the flat roof. Uh, and because they normally slept and ate on top of that roof uh, because they didn't have air conditioning and things like that, uh, what she was saying, we build this room, uh, it's going to be, amen, in the most visible place that everybody can see. Uh, it's not going to be in the basement. Uh, it's not going to be in the backyard. Uh, it's going to be the first thing people see. What are you building? That's God's place. Uh, what are you building? That belongs to God. Uh, I've come to tell you the first thing that people should see about you is you're a child of God. Uh, before they see your financial status, your political party, where you live, what you drive, I'm just a child of God, uh, a sinner saved by grace. Uh, because he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw everybody unto me. All men. Put it on the wall. And see, when she built this room, she built it only for the man of God. See, we would have done, it had been on Airbnb. It had been a business deal. Well, it's a man of God, you give us some advance notice when you pass him through town, you stay for free. You know, when you come, but when you're not here, we're going to make some money off this thing. You know, it wasn't cheap to build this room. Uh, but she said, no, uh, when I build this room, it is only for the man of God. Uh, I've come to tell somebody today that this place you build for God only belongs to God. You said, well, where do I build it? I'm going to tell you where you build the room. You build a room inside of you. See, see Jewish tradition teaches us. That the internal part of man that's going to live forever, the soul that's never going to die, lives in the stomach region of man. 
And I believe that's true. Because when you lie, cheat, and steal, you feel sick to your stomach. When you lie to your mom, you don't, you don't, you don't want dinner that night. Because why? Your soul is your soul say, wait a minute, I want to go to heaven. I want you to make better decisions. And when you do something wrong, you feel sick in your stomach. Uh, and I believe it's true what Jewish tradition teaches us, uh, that the eternal part of man lives inside of the, uh, the stomach region. That's why the Bible says, he that believeth me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Speaking of the Holy Ghost, it flows from within your belly. So if there's a spot inside your stomach that's big enough for God, and God is the biggest thing there is, then nothing else can fill that hole inside of you. See, people try to fill that hole with material things. But guess what? Material things, they're only shiny until you get it home. That new car, that pair of shoes in the mall, you feel so proud. By the time you get home, it's gone. They think drugs, sex, alcohol. Things of this world, but no matter how much you drink, smoke, no matter who, who you run around with, no matter how famous you are, inside your soul there is something still empty on the inside uh, because that hole is big enough for God and only God can fill that hole. You got to make that room for God deep down inside of you. It belongs only to God and let God fill that hole. Young people, only God can fill that hole deep inside of you. But when they built that room with the man of God, it changed their relationship. He so said before, he could only come by when he was invited. They had to be outside and see him walking by and invited him in. But guess what? Now he had his own key. Now he had his own room. Uh, now he had a place to inhabit. Uh, amen. Uh, it became a new level of the relationship. Uh, he could just let himself in. Uh, but I come to tell you that sometimes they would go to town uh, and they would come back uh, and they would be surprised uh, because the chariot was there from that man of God. And they would say, I did not even know that he was coming, but he's already there. Uh, when you build that place for God uh, in your deepest, darkest trials and need, You've got to look for where God is uh, at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, and the phone just rang with some bad news. And guess what? As soon as you hang up the phone and say, what am I going to do? Here comes the peace of God. Here comes the power of God. Here comes the spirit of God. He said, where did that come from? He said, I was already here. Because when you build that place for God, God can just let himself on in and be right there. You didn't even know he was on the way. And you know what else that did? Uh, it gave the man of God a place to work from. Uh, because when you got a free place to stay, you say, what? I can come early. I can stay late. I'll make this my headquarters. I've come to tell somebody, if you want to see your friends saved in school, make your desk, make your locker, make your life a place that God can live. Uh, you want to see your coworkers saved, make your office, make your cubicle a place for God. Your loved ones want to see them saved. Your neighbors, you want to see them saved. Say, God, you live right here. God, you work right here. God, I built this place for you. If you can use anything, you can use me. Make this your headquarters and work from here and use this place to be your place to do what only God can do. The Bible lets us know 
that your gifts will make room for you. The gifts that God has given you, amen, will make room for you. Not to worry about somebody asking you to give you a chance. I propose to you, you build that room and make room for your gifts also. You build that room for God and the talents and gifts that God has given you, God will use it for his kingdom. You say, God, if you can use anything, use me right here. But see, she didn't just say, let's build a room. She said, honey, there's got to be four things in the room. If you're going to build this room for God, these same four things must be in your room or you haven't built a room yet. The first thing she said is let's put a bed in the room. You see, Pastor Britt takes me to his guest room and says, Brother Stewart, I want you to stay here as long as you want to. You and your wife, however long you want to stay, days, weeks, months, is up to you. And the only piece of furniture is one of these chairs. Well, I can't stay too long. I'm getting kind of old now. I need a comfortable mattress to lay on. I'd be like, well, Pastor, thank you, but about two hours, I'm going to have to go back to my house. I can't stay here too long. But that bed is a place to get comfortable. That bed is a place to rest. So some of y'all got a chair for God for two hours. On, some of you didn't give him two hours. Y'all looking at your clock already. Man, we started at 10. It's 11. I went 10 minutes. All God's got in my life. I'm talking about somebody says, God, here's a bed. You lay here 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When I'm on the Internet, you lay in the bed and watch me online. Whatever I go, whatever I do, God, this is a permanent place for you to lay and to rest. So if you're going to build a place for God, there has to be a bed. Second thing she said, there has to be a table. What does a table signify? A table is a place for you to be fed. A table is a place, amen, for community. You know, one day I had my little three-year-old granddaughter in Tampa. My, you can hear about her a lot today, I'm sure, if you talk to me more than five minutes. But grandchildren change your life. Amen. Uh, and we were, I was rushing to go somewhere one day, and I had to stop and get gas. And I, was, I had her with me, and I, and I said, she said, there's a Dunkin' Donuts. said, Papa, can we go in and get some donuts? So I'm looking at the time, and I'm saying to myself, yeah, we got a couple of minutes. I, I order on the app. I took her on her car seat. I ran into Dunkin' Donuts just to grab some donuts and get back in the car and get back on my day. She said, Papa, there's a table here. We can sit down and eat. Guess what happened? I just cleared the rest of my day. So guess what happened? I picked up, Papa, let's go to Dunkin' Donuts. It's not about the donuts anymore. As soon as we get it, it's just, Papa, there's the table. We try to get the same table each time. And I don't care if it's 30 minutes, one hour, my wife, I'd be there all day if she wants to stay all day. Let her have as many donuts as she wants. Uh, but there's a place just to sit down. Now, is there a place in your life uh, that you slow down enough and sit down uh, and let God feed you. God don't work with an express lane like a grocery store. We say, God, I got 10 requests or less today. I'm running out the door. I don't got time. I said, no, no, honey, sit down. Be quiet for a while. Let's break bread together. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, let me tell you what you need to do today, where I want you to go and what I want you to do. Is there a place in your life where you can have that community and slow down? And sit with God. The third thing she said, honey, we got to put a stool in the room. 
Now, a stool signifies to me a place for God to sit. And not just for God to sit, but for God to sit and tell you what to do, and you listen. Brother Jones and I were talking earlier. He said he, my dad came to this church years ago. And remember, my dad had a bunch of kids. There's nine kids in my family. But when dad came home from work, there was always one chair that was dad's chair. Now, if dad wasn't home, you might try to sit in that chair. But when dad walked in the house, dad sat in that chair, and miracles happened. The grass got cut. Dishes got washed. Rooms got cleaned. Homework. Dad didn't get from the chair one time. Dad sat in that chair and let you know what you were, all the stuff you didn't do all day long. Then mom, when dad came and sat in that chair, he got to work from that chair. Is there a place in your life that God can sit and tell you what to do and you listen? It is not submission if you agree with it. It's not submission is what you want to do anyway. Submission is you doing what God tells you to do no matter how you feel about it. I know this won't happen in Hartsell, Alabama, but down in Tampa where I pastor, I can't tell you how many times I gave a Bible study to people and they got a revelation about the new birth or about God, who Jesus is, and said, wow, pastor, that, and didn't do nothing about it. They saw it, but didn't think it applied to them because why? They were not willing to be submitted to the word of God, to the man of God, to the things of God. I've come to tell you if there's no place in your life uh, for God to sit and tell you what to do and you listen, you have not yet built a place for God in your life. Got to have a stool. For God to sit. And the fourth thing she said must be in the room was a candlestick. Why is that? Because we are the light of the world. Uh, and light does two things. Uh, light gives you light, and light gives light to others, and light separates from the darkness. Uh, I've come to tell somebody today, you were called to be a light. Uh, the Bible says we overcome the devil by the word of our testimony. Uh, and you were called to be a light. Uh, and the reason why the enemy fights you so much is that he's trying to tell your friends, Everybody is doing it, but no, honey, you're not doing it. You're not going to do it. Your family's not going to do it. Your life's not going to do it. We are called to be a light. But until there's a bed for God to lay in and live in your life, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I don't go nowhere without him right there. Until there's a table for God to feed you, a stool for God to rule you, and you are a light to the world, you're not yet built a place for God. But I've come to tell you, some of you look at yourself and say, I don't have nothing to build with. There is no building code. God will take anything you have. All Jacob had was a pile of stones, and he built a place for God. Amen. Abraham built that altar to sacrifice his son. He built that place for God. The first tabernacle was made of tents, and that's all they had. They built that place for God, and guess what? When that woman built that room with a man of God, she didn't worry about what kind of mattress, what kind of lights, what kind of sign, what kind of sound. She said, guess what? I'm just going to build a place and I'm just going to let him show up. I come to tell you today, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. Just build a place for God 
You put that second picture for me on the screen if you have it ready. Amen. If you look at the screen here, I want to show you this picture just real quick. Uh, you see the palm trees. Uh, you know it's probably Florida. That's where the church that God called my wife and I to plant. Uh, it was literally on the worst street corner in town. Uh, amen. There was drug deals, uh, prostitution, shootings in our parking lot, stabbings. The district board thought I was crazy to want to go there and put a church. Uh, I said, guess what? It's the safest place in town. I got blue lights in my parking lot. 24-7, uh, the cops give me free security all day long. Uh, but guess what began to happen? The longer we were there, uh, the prostitution disappeared. Uh, the drive-by shootings went away. Uh, the drugs went away. What happened? I don't care where you go. If you say, I am here, I am going to build a place for God, you have no idea what's going to happen when God shows up. Put up the next picture for me. Some of you may recognize this picture. Looks like a convention center, over 100,000 square feet. Uh, that's New Life Austin, uh, the church that was built by our superintendent, uh, David K. Bernard. Uh, look at the next picture. Uh, this is April 5th, 1992, uh, in the living room in Austin, Texas, of David and Connie Bernard. Uh, this was the start uh, of New Life Austin. Amen. Uh, Connie Bernard on the, on the keyboard, and uh, David Bernard up there speaking, and just a handful of people in the room. Who would have known from April 5th, 1992, uh, that the years down the road, a 100,000 square foot church would be built uh, with over 1,500 members and 24 daughter works around the city of Austin. Just build it for God. It might be in your living room. It might be sitting around on some couches. It might not look for much. Uh, but when you build that place for God, God is going to show up. And if, we, if we look at the last slide, amen, in January of 2015, uh, God gave us a vision in Florida. We were starting just two to three churches a year and losing one to two of our churches a year that we started. Uh, but God told us uh, in the next two years, uh, you're going to start 50 brand new churches in Florida. And we called it Florida's Pentecost. Uh, and in two years, uh, we started 52 new churches and did not lose one of those churches, uh, those churches came into existence, and they stayed in existence. There was 28 daughter works, 15 church plants, uh, nine preacher points. You say, why are you telling me this today? Because I'm telling you, you just build a place for God. Uh, you build it in your life. Uh, you build it in your church, uh, and you build it in your district and see what God can do. Just, just let God be God. We spend too much trying, trying to figure stuff out. That's God's stuff to figure out. We just need God to show up. So whatever you're facing or what you're going through, if you build it, God is going to show up. But let's look further down in 2 Kings chapter 4. And you say, why must I build this room for God? I come to tell you that room you build for God becomes a place for all of your future miracles. Uh, because in verse number 13, uh, the man of God asked his woman and said, what is it I can do for you? Uh, you've been so good to me. What can I do for you? And she says, sir, I am fine. Uh, I dwell among my own people. Let me tell you something. Some of you are so worried about your needs. Uh, God knows what you need before you ask. Uh, you build that room for God. Uh, and God shows up and says, what can I do for you today? And the next verse, Gehazi says, sir, 
She has no child. She is barren. People think she is cursed. But verse 14 lets us know the reason why she had no child was her husband was old. The reason she was in that barren state, it was not her fault. It was because of her husband. I come to tell you, when you build that room for God, I don't care who hurt you. I don't care who's against you. I don't care who caused the problems you have. You build a place for God in your life, and God can take care of all your problems, no matter who caused the problem. It wasn't her problem. It was his problem. But she built that room for God. Man, of God said, you're going to have a child. She said, don't lie to me, man of God. Don't lie to me, man of God. But guess what? In verse 16, it says, when that season came, when her time came, she received that promise from God that she thought was going to be a lie. But guess what happened in verse 18? He went to work with his father, and he fell down and grabbed his head and said, Father, my head, my head. Sometimes blessings grow and have some problems. I wish I could tell you would have no problems. wish I could tell you build that room for God and your life would be a perfect, you know, bed of ease. But guess what? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. And the promise grew and grabbed his head. And the father could see it was a very serious injury. So the father said in verse 19, take him to his mother. Now, I read that. That made perfect sense to me. That's what I do at my house. Big, I don't want to deal with that problem. Go find your mom. Where is she? Call her. Mama, figure it out. But I read the scripture and I said, no, I don't think he said go find your mom for that reason. But she's the one that built the room. And the person that builds the room, they know how to get in touch with God. People on your job or bring you their problems, don't even like you. Won't even invite you to lunch. But guess what? Friends, family members who don't believe in God will bring you their problems. You say, why are you bringing me your problems? My problem worse than your problems. But guess what? They know that you built a room for God. They know you know how to get in touch with God. They bring their problems to you. Look at verse number 20. At noon, the brightest time of the day, her son died. But look at where her son died. Died on her knees. Let a promise die if it must. But when that promise dies, let it die on your knees. Uh, let it die with you praying. Uh, the husband walked out on you. I know you're embarrassed and ashamed at a marriage that ended. But stay on your knees. Keep coming to church. Keep believing God. Keep trusting God. Your kid got strung out on drugs. I know you're so worried about your baby that strayed away from God. But never let it go anywhere off your knees. Let a promise die. If the promise is going to die, let it die. But when it dies, let it die right on your knees. And then what did she do? She took that dead promise to the room that she built for God. One reason that you must build a room for God is where do you take dead promises? Because sometimes a room that once held a promise can seem like a tomb. It can go from a place full of hope and go from a place full of future, a place full of power and purpose, to a dead tomb. Marriages become tombs. Ministries become tombs. 
Life becomes tuned. Businesses become tuned. And in a room that used to hold a promise has now become a tomb. But guess what? She had to have a place that she could take a dead promise. The Bible says what? She closed the door. Why? You can't tell everybody your problem. Everybody ain't going to pray for you. Everybody not going to be happy for you. Some of y'all tell her, yeah, why well, you got a pastor and the first lady in the church? Go talk to your pastor and his wife. Stop talking to everybody else. Sometimes you got to close the door on a dead promise. Then she came down to verse 22 and told her husband, honey, give me a young man and a donkey. And he says, why? I got to go find the man of God. And in verse 23, he says, why you got to find the man of God? It's not a feast day. It's not a Sabbath. It's not new moon. When you got a dead promise, you can't wait for Sunday morning. Folks don't know, but I need God and I need God right now. I can't wait for a ritual service to come. I need God. So honey, just give me a young man a donkey. Let me go and find the man of God. Verse 26, Gehazi met her and said, is it well? Is it well with your son? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with you? And she said, it is well. How can it be well when you have a dead promise? I've come to tell somebody today, you can say, it is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. Even though a promise is dead, but you have peace like a river and God's hand on your life, that you can say it's well. Folks think you're going to fall apart because of what you're going through, but the grace and power of God. You can say it as well. So in verse 32 we read, the man of God came to the house. And we read earlier in that chapter that she built that room in verse 11. And the Bible says he came and he lay there on the room and bed. But now that very same bed he used to lay on now holds a dead promise. This miracle that he spoke into existence to this barren woman that she would have a child became one of those mir notable miracles he had done in his ministry. And now that proof of his ministry was lying dead across the bed he used to sleep in. And sometimes you find yourself coming to a place uh, that used to hold promise. And now all that's there is a dead promise. So in verse 33, he shut the door and prayed. We all would do that. That's nothing miraculous in verse 33. When you have a dead, it's easy to pray with a dead promise. You forget to pray with a pocket full of money and life is good. When you got a dead promise, it's easy to pray. And most of us would have stopped at verse number 33. He shut the door and prayed unto Jehovah. But in verse 34, the prophet is something, his prayer wasn't working. The child was still dead. But in verse 34, look at what the prophet did. The Bible says he laid upon the child, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. You know what the prophet was saying? If all I have is a dead promise, I will wrap myself in a dead promise. Eye to eye. Mouth to mouth, hand to hand. See, none of us want to be associated with a dead promise. When our marriage ends, our business fails, life, we come to church, people don't know what to say, so they say nothing, something, the worst thing to do. People don't know what to say to you when, you when promises die in your life. And we try to pretend it's all okay. We've got our Pentecostal smile on. Praise the Lord, everybody. But inside, it's dead. 
But guess what the prophet said? I would rather have a dead promise from God than the biggest lie from the enemy. I come to tell you today, I hope today that you're full of hope and life and have no problems. Uh, if you're here today and all you have is a dead promise, uh, don't run from it. Don't be ashamed because of it. Don't feel guilty and ashamed. Say, honey, if all I got is a dead promise, I'm going to wrap myself right around it, mouth to mouth, uh, hand to hand, eye to eye, because the same God that gave me this promise, even though it appears to be dead, the same God that gave me this promise is able to bring a dead promise back to life. I don't know who I came to preach to today that's dealing with a dead promise and you walk around with a lot of guilt and you walk around with a lot of shame and you walk around feeling like a failure because you look at your life and say, all I have left is a dead promise. I've come to tell you, you wrap yourself around it. Say, God, I prayed and it seemed like nothing was happening and all I got is a dead promise. But today, I'm going to lay right on top of this dead promise. And I'm going to be mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. And I believe a God that I serve is able to bring dead promises back to life. And the Bible says the body begin to get home. I can tell you, 32 years of marriage, my wife and I have had, and I thank God for my wife and how far God has done her. I wouldn't be where I am anywhere without her. But those first few years, there were some time of some dead promises. There were some times where we wondered, are you really saved? Can I call your pastor? Who heard you speak in tongues? You know, I'm a little bit worried if you know who, who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Uh, I've been in business. There's times I faced bankruptcy and didn't know how I was going to make it. But I've learned uh, if I just trust God and wrap myself around what seems to be a dead promise, if I just trust God and keep doing what God has called me to do, uh, like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It may look dead to you, but, may, but it's not dead to God. So the body began to get warm. But verse number 35, the story gets really strange. Obviously, when the body got warm, the boy was coming back to life. Look at verse number 35. The man of God began to walk to and fro throughout the house. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm that lady and I'm her husband, I'm about, excuse me, sir, why are you in my kitchen? Why are you in my bedroom? Upstairs is a day. I brought you back. I got a little boy and a donkey and found you in the wilderness to come heal my boy. Why are you walking around my house? You know why I believe that was? Because a man of God knew there was more work to be done in that home than raising that little boy back to life. You had a father that was full of guilt because he knew all these years the reason why the wife had no child was because of him. Amen. You had a mother that was full of doubt and said, didn't I tell you, man of God, don't lie to me? And some of you restrict God from working in other areas of your life because of a dead promise in your life. And God said, wait a minute, honey, I can fix that dead promise. But while I'm in this deep into your life and your trauma, let me fix everything. 
like a mechanic that says, I know you need a transmission, but I might as well give you a tune-up. I, I might as well fix the brakes. I'm in this deep. Just let me go ahead and trust me. Never restrict God just to work on one area of a pain in your life. Trust God and say, God, you know I have this pain, but God, you're free to walk in. I built this room for you. You can go anywhere. You can walk anywhere. You can do anything. Because sometimes the hardest thing to see is God blessing other people with exactly what you need. You're happy for your friend, but you're like, but what about me? I, I want a child. What about me? I want to be married. What about me? I could use a job. What about me? I could use that blessing. Stop being that way. Be glad that God is still in the blessing business. He's still going to and fro and doing the things that only God can do. Let God go where he must. Let God do what he needs to do. And let God work in all of your life, not just where you want him to work. Well, then he came back up to the room in verse 36 as we get ready to close. And this is where the strangest part of the story, he walked back into the room. The child had sat up and sneezed seven times. And I thought the prophet would have said, Johnny, get up and go find mom. But no, the prophet said, Gehazi, go find the woman and bring her back to this room again. You know what she said to herself? No, not that room, prophet. No, 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 no. I, I built that room years ago for God. And the last time I was in that room, all it had was a dead promise. Don't make me go back to that room. God, I'll teach, I'll sing, I'll preach. Uh, you know, I'll teach Sunday school, I'll drive the van, I'll clean the church. Uh, but that promise is dead. That ministry is over. The opportunity has disappeared. God, don't make me go back. to. He said, go get her and bring her back to the room. But the last time she was in this room, there was a dead promise. When she went to open that door, she had no idea what was going to be behind that door. You say, well, preacher, why I got to go back to the room with a dead promise? I'll tell you why. Because every time you get ready to do something new for God, the devil points back to that room. Remember that last Bible study you taught? The last new convert you want? Where are they now? Remember that last time you failed? And every time you get ready, amen, to go do something else for God, the enemy points back to a room that had a dead promise. But she walked back to a room that had held a dead promise. But this time, she opened the door. Guess what? The promise had come back to life. And as we stand together, as the pastor, the, prophet, the pastor, the prophet said to her, take up your son, woman. The promise is back. I've come to preach to two people today. First, there are some that have not yet really built a room. You know, I want to, you should be the type of saint the pastor going to set us. He should know every Sunday morning, every, you're going to be every Bible study. Every time you're going to, you need to be a, a sold out Christian. Some of y'all, the pastor know if you're going to show up or not. Hey, well, maybe they'll come, maybe they won't. Build that room. Get right with God. Build that room for God. If you've not yet repented of your sins, been baptized in his name and filled with the spirit. You've not yet put that bed and that table and that stool and that light. Today is your day to build that permanent room for God. Let God come transform your life with his power. Become that committed believer and follower of Christ that takes him everywhere, living on the wall. That I'm here, I, I'm, I, I built it, and God's going. And your life will start just coming back miraculously, pieces, dead things. Your life will have joy and peace. So I came to preach to people need to build a room for God first. But I also came to preach to people that's dealing with a dead promise. You have stuff your husband and wife and kids don't even know about in your past. Hurt and pain and trauma. And the enemy has limited you. Because you're afraid to go back to that room. 
But God is saying today, go back to the room that held the dead brother. And some of you will go back to a room that held a dead promise. And you'll walk in that room and there will be life, there will be hope, and renewal. But some of you walk in a room with a dead promise and it will still be death. Your son and daughter are still not saved. Your problems didn't go, but guess what? Wrap yourself around that dead promise. Don't run, don't, don't, don't run from it. Don't be ashamed about it. If all that's in there seems to be a dead promise, wrap yourself around it. Mouth to mouth, hand to hand. Eye to eye. Say, in the name of Jesus, I speak death. I mean life into a dead situation. In the name of Jesus, I'm gonna have victory in this room. I'm going to have victory in this place. God's grace will take you through whatever is in that room to heal and make you whole. And right now, this altar is open. Come forward and say, Lord, I'm here to build a room. I'm here to remodel and give it back to you. But, Lord, I'm here to also face a dead promise and face my pain. Face my hurt. I'm here to wrap myself around it, God. If you choose not to heal, if you choose not to save, if you choose not to do it like I want, I'm going to wrap myself around it and trust you. Because I'd rather have a dead promise from God than a life. And that will help us today to know we built it and you've come in Jesus' name.